The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. To learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticise. You are listening to ACH, I'm Andy, your host today. It's Thursday, so it's time for the weekly visit of my good friend, Dr. Peter Hammond. I'm going to bring him up right now. Peter, are you with me? Yes, I am. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And folks, we've got a, a real current affairs show for you today because we're going to talk all things lockdowns, vaccines, COVID, etc. with a show entitled The Real Story of Rising Resistance to the Powers That Should Not Be. So where would you like to start us off today, Peter? Andrew, this last Saturday, the 15th of May, I was invited to speak to a demonstration rally in Cape Town. This was part of a worldwide protest which was held in over 100 cities and 40 countries in the world. And the the people who organized this uh, worldwide demonstrations, um, according to their website and Facebook page, you can just see quite a number of the videos of people marching large groups, thousands of people in Australia and in Denmark and Cyprus and Switzerland, in Netherlands and Belgium, all over the world, uh, phenomenal Canada. Uh, just wonderful to see that there's massive resistance. This all grew out of the Berlin demonstration, which had a million people march last year, you may remember, against the masks and the lockdown. And uh, now this is being expanded to protesting against the vaccines, of course, uh, which, which is absolutely uh, horrific um, that they are bullying people to get vaccinations. Now, in many schools, we see that they're saying you're not allowed to come back to school or college or university unless you get the vaccination. There's whole companies saying you're not allowed to work here unless you get the vaccination. There's a lot of bullying going on. They can't force you to have it, but there's a lot of attempts to make people think that they are uh, without a choice. That And therefore, these protests are really important. So this is a um, protest particularly against the masquerade, the lockdown lunacy, and the mandatory vaccinations and everything that's dangerous about it. And uh, the interesting thing is in Cape Town, uh, where they organized this, they, they had their permission to march to Parliament and so on. And uh, I went through to, to join the march, and we all gathered in a parking area outside the Cape Peninsula University of Technology, uh, which is often a staging area because it's a large parking lot, uh, staging area for marches to Parliament. And uh, there was a lot of police vehicles. <laughs> there were Metro police, there were traffic police, there were South African police service, there were riot police shields. Uh, it, there was 
such a lot of police there. I, I was quite staggered to think that they really thought we were worthy of attention. I mean, isn't there real crime out there that needs their attention? Well, uh, interestingly, although we had the permission, the organizers had the permission papers and so on, and although the traffic police were ready with their vehicles to escort the marchers through town uh, to Parliament to, for the protest, the South African Police Service, which <clears throat> is the traditional police, pardon me there, <clears throat> the South African Police Service who deal with crime as opposed to the traffic police or the metro police, they would not let us march unless everyone put on a mask. Now, considering that the protest was against masks, against mandatory mask wearing and so on, it seemed ridiculous to require the protesters to uh, wear what they're protesting against. So there was a standoff, and next thing we knew, the vehicles um, blocked the way, and there was a line of police with these big riot shields, uh, sort of looked like Roman legionnaire shields, except that they, they uh, see through, uh, uh, sort of pexiglass type of things. And um, as they lined up there, and uh, uh, they were ready for confrontation. So the organizers decided that instead of a march to Parliament, they would turn it into a uh, rally against this in, in the parking lot uh, area because we were surrounded by police and if they wouldn't let us march, um, we they were in fact telling the people apparently to disperse. Not that I heard that, but um, uh, according to the news report, uh, the police ordered it to disperse because it was an illegal gathering because people weren't practicing social distancing or wearing their masks. Well, considering they were protesting it, it, it seemed like a, a bit of a bizarre requirement. But nevertheless, I got a whole lot of great pictures there and uh, the the kinds of uh, artistry and energy and creativity that went into this, uh, I thought was well worth getting pictures. So I took a lot of pictures, which I posted on the Henry Morton Stanley School of Christian Journalism Facebook page. I am not a lab rat. No vax for me. Unmask our kids. End COVID tyranny. Disobey. Uh, control the sheep. COVID vaccines. Uh, you know, with different pictures of, of injections with the uh, uh, red uh, substance in it, um, uh, injecting into some rats. And it's not about a virus. It's all about control. And no vaccine, no tracking, no COVID. And... Uh, say no to the prick and there's a picture of uh, bill gates with the injection and a drop of blood coming off the end of it keep calm and don't experimental vax we don't need no vaccination we need hugs not drugs and uh, there's a lot of those sort of i'm just reading off the different slogans one was a big banner the new nuremberg trials 2021 dr reiner Fulmich and his team of over 1,000 lawyers and over 10,000 medical experts have begun legal proceedings against the CDC, WHO, and Davos Group for Crimes Against Humanity. We salute you, Dr. Reiner Fulmich and team. With you and the help of God, we shall win this silent war. So that's uh, another uh, one. Uh, end the disaster. End the um, constitution. The unconstitutional lockdown. No vaccine needed. I have my immune system. PCR tests 97% false. And uh, freedom, hashtag freedom, I'm no lab rat. 
and uh, there's a whole lot Novaks for me, more of those people handing out leaflets. Love is more contagious than fear. We must unmask our kids. And there were a lot of people wearing T-shirts, free my smile, unmask your kids. Um, the end, this will end when we all say no, underlined exclamation mark. That was another billboard. And uh, different handmade and well-designed uh, posters. Take your poisons and shove it. Forced vaccinations is a crime against humanity. That, interestingly, was a woman dressed in full Muslim uh, garb with uh, the hijab and all that. Uh, forced vaccines is a crime against humanity. Another person wearing Islamic dress was wearing, uh, holding, I do not consent. Uh, and... Uh, there's one poster from a young man with the real conspiracy theorists or people that believe that the government cares about them. The media would never mislead or lie to them. The pharmaceutical industry that makes billions of sickness wants to cure them. Um, end lockdown now, unmask our kids, uh, hashtags and so on. So uh, there was uh, somebody wearing a communist Vietnamese red T-shirt with a yellow star and in the middle of it, uh, he had a sticker of Bill Gates's picture saying, say no to the prick with the jab injection and the drop of red coming out of the needle. Uh, there were a whole series of uh, different protests. One person was wearing a brown uh, paper bag like you would get from the shops over his head. Um, and it, it was entitled mask and uh, uh, I had signed on in the masquerade and the lockdown lunacy. Uh, we had people with flags there. Uh, it, it, there was all ages. There was all races. There's a wide variety of people. There were Muslims. There were Christians. Uh, there were uh, people who identified themselves as Jewish as well. There were Hindus and Buddhists. And interestingly, uh, the whole spirit of the place was very much of resistance and the people were cheerful. There was uh, people greeting, hugging, uh, shaking hands, uh, definitely not practicing social distancing, not interested in uh, the big lie. And uh, there was all over the place, uh, plainly people who wanted to get on with their lives and their businesses. I saw a lot of cameras, uh, a lot of media was there. Uh, we got um, quite a number of um, uh, people uh, who were filming uh, using uh, professional cameras on bipods, as well as those inevitably with the uh, private handheld devices and so on. So uh, one of the nice banners that I saw was beautifully drawn to Timothy 1 verse 7, I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So these are just some of the slogans that I saw at the uh, Cape Town uh, march, uh, which turned out to be a rally. Masks, the big lie, that's another one. Uh, see here, there's a, a quite a number of speakers. We spoke from the back of a pickup truck uh, as our platform impromptu at the situation. There was a PA system that was used to reach other people. Uh, it was raining quite a bit at the time. That didn't uh, dissipate the crowd. Nobody moved when the rain came pelting down. Uh, I was actually standing up and speaking while the rain came pouring down, and it didn't slow me down, although somebody uh, felt that they need to jump up and uh, I put an umbrella over me, and I said, I don't mind getting uh, wet. That's not a problem for me. But uh, this was part of this worldwide protest in over 100 cities. 
against the masquerade, against the lockdown lunacy, against these unprecedented violations of our essential freedoms. I mean, the Bill of Rights is there for good reason. Many countries have Bills of Rights and Chartered Rights, and any law that violates these Bill of Rights are no laws at all and have no validity. And these rights from the we think of five and years ago, Martin Luther making it bold stand, my conscience is captive, the word of God, for popes and councils have often erred and contradicted themselves, and governments, and <laughs> Wuhan Health Organization, and CDC, and so on, they've often erred and contradicted themselves. No, uh, our conscience is captive to the word of God. Truth does not fear investigation. And uh, we want real science. We don't want their voodoo science or the voodoo vaccines. Our freedoms of worship have been infringed on freedom of belief and opinion, freedom of movement, freedom of religion, freedom of conscience, freedom of thought, freedom of the press, uh, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of association, freedom of assembly, the freedom to demonstrate, freedoms of trade and occupation and profession. All of these freedoms, which are guaranteed by the Southern Bill of Rights, are being suspended, violated, trampled on regularly by this lockdown lunacy, by this masquerade, uh, by this unconstitutional pressure, even attempts to try and force people to have a medical, they call it a vaccine, but it's not that, but this experimental DNA altering um, so-called vaccine, uh, completely unacceptable to try and force this on people. If, uh, how is it possible that we have such a dangerous virus that you need to be tested to know that you've got it. Because I was brought up in Rhodesia, what today is Zimbabwe, and we were brought up with malaria and tick bite fever and black water fever and bilharzia. I mean, those things were normal. Uh, it happened. We got sick. And uh, let me tell you, malaria is a lot, lot worse than COVID. I've had COVID-19. Everyone in my family's had it. Everyone in our mission's had it. It hasn't stopped us living. We we worked through it. We survived. We recovered. We carried on. Uh, we didn't let it stop our activities, our ministry, uh, our life. Uh, there's no need to trample on people's freedoms for something that's akin to the seasonal flu, uh, which can also be quite unpleasant. But let me tell you, malaria is vastly more dangerous. Uh, it kills millions of people every year in Africa. Uh, it's very unpleasant to have it. And uh, my wife's uh, had not only uh, cancer that she's been battling for many years now, but she was five months bedridden over having hepatitis at one point. And hepatitis is extremely unpleasant and debilitating. There's a lot of things worse. Uh, we, we can uh, look at uh, uh, typhus and uh, uh, TB. There's, there's no end of terrible things that people uh, face and that we subject ourselves to in many ways or expose ourselves to when we go into uh, third world countries for missions. But it doesn't stop us from taking that risk. There's, there's always risk in life. But to lock down society, to shut down the essential activities uh, in the name of, of not allowing non-essential activities. And what a cheek for a politician of all people to think that they can determine what is essential and what isn't. Every single occupation in society is essential for that family and for those that they serve. And it's the height of arrogance and tyranny when a government can presume to say that your business, whether it's a hospitality industry, uh, whether it is in restaurants, whatever it is, to say this is not essential. And for the audacity of them to try and claim that church services were not essential activities. While 
I don't know how it was in your country, but in my country, here in South Africa, they were happily ha allowing abortion clinics to be open as essential activities while closing churches. Then they, they've even now got casinos open without restriction while churches are under very severe restrictions. And uh, it just shows you how they've got not just double standards, they've got multiple standards. There's a lot of hypocrisy here. But we're facing a COVID cult with dogmatic demands to accept and comply, to submit and not to question. And anyone questioning this masquerade is subject to shunning an inquisition-like persecution, uh, modern equivalents of being burned at the stake. I mean, it's like the Spanish Inquisition has returned with a vengeance. Uh, and even more unreasonable than whatever was going on in the Middle Ages, we've now got this COVID inquisition, this COVID cult. You've got to believe in the virus. You've got to believe in the vaccine. You've got to believe and trust in the government. Uh, you've got to believe in the pharmaceutical companies. You've got to believe in the Wuhan Health Organization. You've got to trust and believe what Bill Gates or Fauci says. And you can't question it. There's no, it's dogmatic. Now, just think, if any part of our body shuts down. Imagine if you decided to have one third or two thirds of your organs of your body shut down. It's not essential. You would die. You can't shut down an economy, a half of an economy, a quarter of an economy, a third economy, and expect the economy to survive. There's ripple effects, there's supply chains, there's a whole range of things that get interfered with. And we can see we've got food queues, we've got water shortages, we've got power outages, America's got long lines waiting uh, to get fuel. Uh, there's all sorts of things that get disrupted when governments start to interfere with market economies of supply and demand of a free market. And when the government interferes in the market, the result is chaos and corruption on a, on a large level, as we saw in, in communist countries. And, and this is what I think is so much of what the protests were about, and I emphasized in my speech as well, that what we are seeing is not COVID-19, but COVID-1984. Quite a few people had T-shirts, COVID-1984, uh, having a reference to George Orwell's prophetic warning political satire book, 1984, because it seems ominously relevant today. What we're seeing is like in George Orwell's book that was written in 1948, warning about the future, uh, 1984, where the Ministry of Truth deals in lies, and the Ministry of Plenty deals with starvation and rationing, and the Ministry of Love deals with torture, and the Ministry of Peace deals with war, and the media is communicating newspeak and doublethink, and anyone questioning the party line are guilty of a thought crime, and forced by thought police to be silent or to conform and those questioning the politically correct narrative can become unpersons, vaporized, and disappear down a memory hole, which is what we're seeing today with Facebook fact-checkers, so-called, who are actually employed and paid for. In many cases, the actual fact-checkers investigating into all these different vaccines and so on and so forth, they're employed and paid for by the very vaccine producers. I mean, this is conflict of interest. These aren't fact checkers. Uh, these are censors. And uh, these are thought police. This is what George Orwell warned about in 1984. So to call it COVID-1984, I think is a good term. You can maybe you have COVID-19 in black and then you have 84 in red. Uh, that's That's a pretty good bit of extra graffiti to communicate to people, especially in memes on the internet, uh, what we're dealing with. We're dealing with 
a, an Orwellian 1984 scenario where thought police are trying to vaporize and make unpersons uh, people who don't uh, agree with or don't accept the politically correct narrative, and they want them to disappear down the memory hole as they deplatform, delete, and censor, and so on. And so the authorities, or as you said, the powers that should not be, prevented our planned march to Pont, despite it being legal, despite us having papers, despite the traffic police being there to escort, uh, despite the fact that our Bill of Rights guarantees your rights of freedom of movement and freedom to demonstrate and so on. They prevented our planned march from taking place, despite the municipal and traffic police being on hand to escort us to Pond. And so even with police surrounding us in the parking lot in assembly, we had this impromptu rally against the masquerade, against mandatory vaccines. Uh, the rally lasted for a good two hours. And there's no doubt that the spirit of resistance was strong. Nobody there was wearing masks. Nobody was socially distancing. Uh, no one was interested in the narrative. They rejected everything that the state is giving us as a pack of lies. And I'm, I think that we can be very encouraged that uh, despite the fact that there's so much intimidation and this absolute tsunami of lies and of intimidation and of bullying, that there still is a huge residue of resistance. Uh, we see a huge amount of people who are not buying the lie, not accepting uh, this kind of bullying, uh, saying no to the masks, the masquerade, as I call it, saying no to the lockdown lunacy, and saying no to the forced vaccinations, which uh, when you look at the people who have investigated this, and, and I think there's some highly recommended resources here, I've gone through nine of the 10 The Truth About Vaccines documentaries that's put out by that, that group, The Truth About Vaccines. You can find them on the web. Absolutely outstanding documentaries of the highest standard where they have some of the finest bacteriologists, virologists, experts in these areas, medical specialists, telling you what's behind the vaccines, what the real agenda is. And Robert F. Kennedy Jr., uh, the, the lawyer... Uh, who has been making a stand uh, against vaccines, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s site. Uh, he's got Children's Health Defense. So Children's Health Defense website is another excellent source of details about the dangers of these vaccines. Now, I'm not a medical professional. My mother was. Uh, but uh, when I look at the facts that are there when I have gone through these documentaries on the truth about vaccines, which is very eye-opening and incredibly well-researched and well-documented. And I see what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is putting on children's health defense. I would never accept the vaccination because not only is it not a real vaccination, but it's DNA altering. As some people pointed out at our demonstration, uh, this makes you a transhuman. We would be genetically modified humans. I mean, like GMOs and uh, in, in plants, uh, you're going to have genetically modified people. And there's been so much really, uh, not just dangerous, but criminal about what many of these vaccination companies have done. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. points out that the major pharmaceutical companies that are producing the vaccines, and he's singles out Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson Johnson and others, these big names, he said, they're all serial convicted felons. They are repeat felons. They are convicted in court of massive fraud and of uh, crimes so that 
just in the United States of America alone, in court, these um, uh, pharmaceutical companies, Big Pharma, have had to pay $35 billion in fines. So uh, admissions of guilt for things like killing people, uh, lying to doctors, lying about the contents of their um, vaccines or, or their different pharmaceutical products and so on. Why would you trust companies that are, are convicted, proven, admitted, repeat offender felons? So I'm quoting from Robert F. Kennedy on, on this, and he documents uh, the whole thing, that we're dealing with an extremely dangerous mix of big pharma, big government, big tech, who are uniting to suppress and stifle our freedoms, interfering in the fulfillment of the cultural mandate, interfering in the fulfillment of the Great Commission, stifling religious freedom, stifling people's businesses, livelihoods, bringing starvation. There's so many people who, who are speaking to me just, just on Saturday about how uh, their banks are, are muscling in on them because they can't pay the rest of the bonds because they haven't been able to sell uh, things, uh, the products, their business has been closed down. You think if you're in the hospitality industry, whether you've got restaurants, whether you've got um, farms that uh, would be used for wedding venues and, and uh, special outdoor events, but it's been closed down by the lockdown. Now the banks are still wanting you to, to be paying, uh, but you're not able to get any income. And now there's a whole lot of people losing their properties, losing their businesses, shutting down their businesses, shutting down their companies, all because of a an unholy, diabolical, satanic combination of big pharma, big tech, big government, and the banksters who are killing small businesses, killing the private enterprise, uh, wiping out a lot of people, fulfilling a communist agenda. And, and this is something I emphasized in my speech there, that, that what we're seeing here is actually communism, because the word Soviet means committee, as in the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. A, a Soviet's a committee, so it's the Union of Committee-run Socialist Republics. And that is what communism is. The French Revolution was ruled by committee. Maximilian... Uh, Robespierre was the chairman of the Committee for Public Safety. The Committee for Public Safety, which a committee of six, ran the French Revolution. They determined how many people went to the guillotine each day and beheaded them or got killed by firing squad and drownings and other uh, ways of butchery. And so uh, that's what a revolution is. It's government by committee. And in South Africa, we have seen uh, since March 26th last year, 2020, that the government bypassed parliament, sidelined the 400 members of parliament, replaced it with a committee of six in the name of a disaster state that had been declared. And then they managed, which was never drafted with uh, a virus in mind. The disaster uh, management legislation was specifically for floods and earthquakes, uh, natural disasters on those level. And now this is being, and that would then be local, but to have made it national and in response to a virus and take it more than three weeks, which was meant to be the maximum, and bypassing not only parliament, but uh, actually ignoring and violating and trampling on every one of the rights guaranteed in the Bill of Rights, what we are facing is something completely unconstitutional. I, I don't doubt that it's something similar in other countries of the world, although constitutions and laws and bills of rights or chartered rights may differ from one country to the other. But essentially, I believe that what we're seeing worldwide is completely not only unjust, 
uh, but also unlawful and unconstitutional. And there's, of course, groups that are challenging this, uh, such as the uh, group in Germany, which has uh, actually taken the government to court over this, that this is completely illegal and unjustified. So what we are seeing is the communist agenda is being advanced in the name of fighting a virus. Because what is communism? Having worked in 38 countries of the world, including all the communist countries in the Warsaw Pact in, in, in Eastern Europe back in the 1980s when the Iron Curtain was up and during the, the Cold War, um, I can tell you the way communism works is the communist government tells you who can work, when they can work, where they can work, how they can work, and you must show me your papers. And travel, even internal travel, is restricted. And there's roadblocks and there's checkpoints. And they want to see your papers and they want to see authorization. And what are you doing and why are you going there and what's your authorization? That is communism, when the state can actually interfere with people's freedom of movement and their occupations to that extent. And so what we're seeing is in the last year, we've seen a massive revolution in the new world disorder, or as you say, the powers that should not be, that they are actually enacting and advancing communist Soviet goals, ruled by committee for socialist ends, for new world order, what I call new world disorder. And many people have bought it because it's been given the name of, of medical a crisis. But it's, it's not like the communists haven't abused medicine before. In the old Soviet Union, they had many, not just a thousand 800 concentration camps, death camps, where 50 million lives were snuffed out uh, under Stalin and the other chairman of the Soviet Union. Uh, but they also had psychiatric hospitals, many. There were uh, a couple of hundred psychiatric hospitals where they would take people, maybe it would be a pastor, who they would then diagnose as he is insane because he doesn't believe in scientific socialism. He rejects evolution and something like that. And they put them in padded cells and they would... Uh, subdue them with drugs and uh, they'd inject all sorts of things. And I mean, they would die in a, some psychological hospital or psychiatric hospital. And so uh, they could say, oh, no, this, this isn't persecution. They weren't put in there because they're religious beliefs. It was because they were mentally or emotionally unstable or something like that, because they opposed atheism or communism or evolutionism or whatever it was, the scientific socialism often was the term they, they like to use. And so uh, there were medical professionals in the Soviet Union and in Red China who were willing to be abused to enforce state tyranny on people. And I wouldn't doubt that there are some people who, for financial or other reasons, are willing to follow the guidelines of the Wuhan Health Organization and the New World Order. And uh, some people have sold their souls. And while some may actually believe this propaganda, I think there's others who know what a charade and what a uh, scamdemic, plandemic this is, and yet they still go ahead simply because that's how their jobs or their prosperity or their well-being is all because they fear the consequences of resistance. So there's cowardice, there's compromise, there's treachery involved here, uh, but we need to stand up and we need to oppose it. This is unacceptable. This is a threat to freedom. And so how... Uh, encouraged, I believe, we all should be, that there are groups resisting, standing up. And I think it's pretty unprecedented. And I believe the powers that should not be are uh, very concerned. And you can see that by how their thought police and their senses are busy all over the place. And they're trying to 
uh, unplatform and uh, uh, suppress and delete all over the place, just like George Orwell warned about in his book 1904, where people became unpersons, were vaporized and disappeared down the memory hole. And the thought police were trying to even mobilize people against thought crimes. And when I read that, when it was a school textbook of mine, 1970s in Rhodesia, it never crossed my mind that the possibility arose ever that we could be facing what George Orwell warned about so many years ago. Uh, I, I read it and I assumed that George Orwell was, was warning about what was going on in the Soviet Union. And yet George Orwell based his novel in London, in Airstrip One. And uh, he uh, wrote it from the perspective of the BBC. In fact, George Orwell even said that he had based his Ministry of Truth on the BBC, because he had worked for the BBC, he had been a propagandist during the war. He had early on been a policeman in the Imperial Police in, in Burma, and he had been a policeman, he had been a journalist, and he had uh, he was a communist, of course, too, um, and uh, he was a propagandist during the Second World War. And so George Orwell, from that background, basing his novel firmly in Great Britain and in London, uh, he warns of this new... Uh, danger of newspeak, doublethink, thought crimes, thought police, people becoming vaporized, unpersons, disappearing down the memory hole, and a whole range of warnings that are in 1984, which is coming true today. And I think many people have missed the fact that he was warning about what could happen right here in the center of Western civilization, the heart of the British Empire. This is what he saw in the future, and he was warning against it. And that's where we are. We are right now facing a COVID-1984, uh, advancing of the communist agenda, a Soviet agenda, uh, in the name of combating a virus. This is a virus so deadly, you need to be tested to know that you've got it. I never need to be tested to know if I had malaria or any of these other things, particularly fever, <laughs> the symptoms were obvious. Um, when you've got to be tested to know that you've got it, the disease can't be that bad. And uh, when you have to be threatened and bullied in order to take the vaccination, uh, you wonder how safe it can be. And when the vaccine producers need to lobby governments to the tune of vast amounts of money, we're not just talking about hundreds of millions, but even billions of dollars have been put by these vaccination companies into bullying governments or persuading governments or buying governments in order to indemnify them from liability from prosecution for side effects like blindness, paralysis and death and things like that that happen to people take the vaccines and, and that they've even got to get vaccine uh, 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 health insurance for people who get injured by the vaccines, uh, but the taxpayers pay for it. That's outrageous. It was Bill Gates who publicly stated that the best investment he ever made was in vaccines. He said, where else can you get a thousand percent return on your investment? He, he says what made him more money than anything else was vaccines. And this is a man who is on record as being a eugenicist who wants to bring the world's population radically down. He believes the world at 7 billion is way overpopulated and he wants to bring it down to under a billion, under 500 million, in fact, ultimately, ideally, to under 100 million. Now, here's a man who's on record publicly and repeatedly saying that the world needs to be radically depopulated. And now we're going to trust him with his vaccinations which he says is designed to extend our life expectancy and save our lives and improve our health, but he makes most of his money on vaccines. I see a tremendous conflict of interests here. Uh, the person who would like to lower the world's population 
is offering us drugs and toxins to be injected into our bodies, which he claims will extend our life expectancy. I see this as a tremendous conflict of interest, and it's very hard to take seriously. Uh, the narrative that the big pharma industries are doing this for our good. And so, yes, I think um, as this one chap's uh, poster very well said, that the real conspiracy theorists are the people who believe that the government cares about them, the media would never mislead or lie to them, and the pharmaceutical industry that makes billions of sicknesses now wants to cure them. So uh, back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. It's funny because I'm just, uh, when you said that, I actually used, I did a show with um, Pastor Eli James a couple of weeks ago. And for the show image, I actually used what you just uh, said. Uh, someone's holding up a bit of cardboard with that written on. And that went out on April the 30th. So, you know, I found that on the internet or someone sent it to me. So it's nice to see that that one's doing the rounds because it's, it really is an important image and it's an important, uh, you know, statement. Um you and I, uh, for any sort of people who've come into this recently, and I think that there's been a great deal of people, this has been a, a kind of gamble that they had to take, the powers that should not be. And that is that by locking people in their homes, they're going to, you know, have time on their hands to, you know, look things up on the internet. And of course, uh, these uh, elites would rather that you look at their mainstream media and pornography and all this other stuff that they're behind. They don't want you yes. to stumble upon people like Peter and myself. But many people have. And that's why we've seen all these other things, um, you know, in these protests now. People are talking about the world control. They started off, you know, I don't want to be locked in my home. And then they end up uh, you know, meeting people of like mind. Uh, so the race has been on to censor as much as possible. And this is what the, um, you know, the restrictions are all about as well. They don't want people to talk to each other. That's why they close the churches. They close the, the, the pubs, all these different things where people would congregate. They don't want people telling each other what they know because then people could build up a resistance to them. And that's what we're seeing. But one thing that I've got for you here, folks, and um, yeah, a lot of these quotes I'm familiar with, but when Peter was talking about, you know, we're basically under communist rule now, any nations that's forcing these restrictions on you is ruled by communism. You are being ruled by communism. And when he said that, I was reminded of a very famous quote by Rabbi Stephen Wise that was in the American Bulletin, May the 5th, 1935. Some may call it communism, but I call it what it is, Judaism. Now, the version I've heard is some call it communism, I call it Judaism. But I've got a... Um, uh, a website here justiceforpoland.com and I'm going to include this link and give you a few more quotes uh, here this is from uh, a program for the Jews and humanity by Rabbi Harry Watton the communist soul is the soul of Judaism hence it follows that just in just as in the Russian Revolution, the triumph of communism was the triumph of Judaism. So also in the triumph of fascism will triumph Judaism. And then we've got another guy, Robert Wilton, a long-time Russian news correspondent for the London Times, said in his book, The Last Days of the Romanovs, out of the 556 important functionaries of the Bolshevik state, there were, in 1918 to 1919, 17 Russians... 
457 Jews and 82 others. And now we've got Alexander Solzhenitsyn, a couple of quotes from him. The first one is, Without Jews there would never have been Bolshevism. For a Jew, nothing is more insulting than the truth. The bloodthirsty Jewish terrorists have murdered 66 million in Russia from 1918 to 1957. And the next quote on this page is, again from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, You must understand, the leading Bolsheviks who took over Russia were not Russians. They hated Russians. They hated Christians. Driven by ethnic hatred, they tortured and slaughtered millions of Russians without a shred of human remorse. The October Revolution was not what you call in America the Russian Revolution. It was an invasion and conquest over the Russian people. More of my countrymen suffered horrific crimes at their blood-stained hands than any people or nation ever suffered in the entirety of human history. It cannot be understated. Bolshevism was the greatest human slaughter of all time. The fact that most of the world is ignorant of this reality is proof that the global media itself is in the hands of the perpetrators. And then we have from the American Hebrew, September 10th, 1920. The Bolshevist revolution in Russia was the work of Jewish brains, of Jewish dissatisfaction, of Jewish planning, whose goal is to create a new order in the world. What was performed in so excellent a way in Russia, thanks to Jewish brains, and because of Jewish dissatisfaction and by Jewish planning, shall also, through the same Jewish mental and physical forces, become a reality all over the world. And then we've got the Rabbi Stephen Wise quote. They've got it here, as some call it Marxism, I call it Judaism, which is the one that I'm aware of, rather than the smoko.com image at the top. They both mean the same thing, pretty much. Um, and we'll do two more, and then I'll go back to Peter. Uh, this is Bobby Fisher. First of all, you know, the former uh, chess master. First of all, we have to understand what communism is. I mean, to me, real communism, the Soviet communism, is basically a mask for Bolshevism, which is a mask for Judaism. And finally, not one of my favourite people, but this is something that many of you will be aware of, this is Sir Winston Churchill, uh, as he wrote in the Illustrated Sunday Morning Herald on February the 8th of 1920. The movement among the Jews is not new. From the days of Spartacus Weishop to those of Karl Marx, and down to Trotsky, Russia, Bela Kuhn, Hungary, Rosa Luxemburg, Germany, and Emma Goldman, United States, this worldwide conspiracy for the overthrow of civilization and for the reconstitution of society on the basis of arrested development, of envious malevolence and impossible equality has been steadily growing. It played, as a modern writer Mrs Webster has so ably shown, a definitely recognisable part in the tragedy of the French Revolution. It has been the mainspring of every subversive movement during the 19th century, and now at last this band of extraordinary personalities from the underworld of the great cities of Europe and America have gripped the Russian people by the hair of their heads and have practically have become practically the undisputed masters of that enormous empire. There is no need to exaggerate the part played in the creation of Bolshevism and in the actual bringing about of the Russian Revolution by these international and for the most part atheistical Jews. It is certainly a very great one. It probably outweighs all others. With the notable exception of Lenin, the majority of the leading figures are Jews. Well, I would dispute the 
first half of that statement, I believe Lenin was Jewish, real name Ulyanov. But there's, uh, you know, I'm only a fifth down this page, so I'll put it in the post for the show and you can uh, have a look at that. And just uh, before I hand back to Peter, the definition of communism is, you know, power to the people. Let's all share the wealth together. <laughs> but that's the slogan. That's the advertising slogan to get you to buy into it. Um, the it's the slogan today is uh, own nothing and you'll all you'll own nothing and you'll all be happy. Well, someone has to own something. You know, even if you you look out your window and there's a road, well, that's owned by the council, it's owned by the government, what have you. Uh, everything has to be owned by someone. Uh, and so the idea that you will own nothing and be happy, well, someone will have to own it. And never forget that what is happening here is what, if we go right back to that very first quote where um, it was, uh, uh, sorry, I've, I've, I've lost it, basically the one that uh, said about, um, oh, here it is, it's the American Hebrew one. Um, the Bolshevist revolution in Russia was the work of Jewish brains, of Jewish dissatisfaction, of Jewish planning, whose goal is to create a new order in the world. What was performed in so excellent a way in Russia, thanks to Jewish brains, and because of Jewish dissatisfaction and by Jewish planning, shall also, through the same Jewish mental and physical forces, become a reality all over the world. And who can't you criticise these days? Who's in control of the media, the government... Uh, we know these quotes, there's numerous ones of them, and this is the real fear today, that these people have basically decided to exact that power. They had it behind the scenes, they were uh, putting it all together, they believe that they've got it all together now, so anyone out there that is resisting this and is making an effort to stand up and tell the truth um, and wake other people up, you know, I really do... Um, it's it's so encouraging that so many more people have woken up because this is a race against time. We know what they did to these um, Russians, these white Russians, these Christians. Um, 66 million, Alexander Solzhenitsyn says, slaughtered in a period of 40 years. So what do you think that they've got planned for you? It's a critical time to spread the truth and also to seek uh, God and to pray and literally, the ball is in everyone's court. The people out there that promote violence, it's a very frustrating time, but they're just playing into these people's hands. I'm not saying all of them are essentially agents or anything like that. We all have a fuse, and some of us have shorter fuses than others, and by goodness, what they've done to us in this last year, forcing us to stay in our homes... Um, I just looked in my diary, folks, because my girlfriend will be coming over at the weekend. Uh, and she said, when was the last time I was able to come into your flat? And it was over seven months ago. OK, that's yeah. how it's been. Um, and, and this is what's going on. This is what they've done to you. But people have got very short memories. And it's important that we remember what these people have done to us so we can bring them to justice. And that is what they truly fear is being exposed and that is why Alexander Solzhenitsyn said for a Jew nothing is more insulting than the truth so uh, that page will be in the post for this show Peter back to you for your comments please yes Alexander Solzhenitsyn certainly the greatest Russian author and thinker of the 20th century in fact four of Alexander Solzhenitsyn's books including the Gulag Archipelago and one day in the life of Ivan Denisovich, I'm not 
I, I just forget what the other two names of those required reading books on in Russian schools today. But Alexander Solzhenitsyn, uh, when he was asked, how did a small group of communist atheists manage to hijack such a great Christian empire as Russia? And his short answer was, we forgot God. And I think that could be said in Britain today too, uh, and in Australia, and in Canada, and many other countries around the world, that a small group of secular humanists, synagogue of Satan, haters of God, blasphemers, have managed to hijack a lot of Western civilization, universities, schools, governments, law courts, businesses, because we forgot God. Now, on one side, we've got to recognize the enemy and recognize his tactics. That's important. But we also need to recognize what was deficient in ourselves in discernment, in recognizing the threat, in not resisting the threat. Uh, we're living in an age of revolution. And uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn said so well when he was speaking at Buckingham Palace, and uh, I think it was 1978, Alexander Solzhenitsyn said that the world has never known a, a maliciousness so uh, a godlessness, so malicious, so malevolent, uh, so organized, so tenaciously uh, hostile to Christianity as that organized by communism. And uh, uh, he um, uh, said that the economic pretensions and their political theories were uh, sidelines. The real heart and soul of Marxism is its hostility to God and to Christ. And so uh, at its very, it, that's not a fringe uh, side effect of communism. That's its driving power and source. And unless we understand that at its heart, communism is antichrist, we don't really understand what we're dealing with. So how is it that so many of our people have bought this and have uh, actually accepted this? And I think we've got to say it's first and foremost due to the entertainment industry. Right back in 1920s, the Communist International, the Comintern, identified Hollywood, the newly developing uh, film industry, which was basing itself uh, close to to um, uh, Los Angeles, that this was, in fact, uh, the key to gaining Western civilization. And Joseph Stone said, we must turn the cinemas of the world into temples for our uh, religion of godlessness to promote communism, to break down Christianity. And so for many years, the communists were the only party in town, literally in, in Hollywood, and they infiltrate from the very, very, very beginning. And so uh, there was a time when entertainment was understood to be primarily to focus on, as the Bible says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy. Think on these things. And that's what used to focus entertainment. And so you'd have Handel's Messiah and you'd have the great and the best art and music and uh, most spectacular things to the praise of what is good, noble, just, right, pure, inspiring, uplifting. But we've seen how Hollywood has managed to turn people's entertainment tastes more into a celebration of the base, the vulgar, the vile, the ugly, the blasphemous, the perverted. And instead of entertainment, you're often getting defilement. It's instead of entertainment, I'd call it exploitation. What was once unthinkable has become not only acceptable, but praised and celebrated, often by Academy Awards in particular, which celebrate anti-Christian, blasphemous, perverted types of films. And criticism of this has become something of a thought crime. 
None of this would have been possible without these characters having hijacked our news media. And in the United States, there's just six individuals who control all the news media in America. The six great publishing houses control everything of all the media. And uh, they all actually are Jewish. And when it comes to Hollywood, there's articles such as, do Jews run Hollywood? You bet. And this is an article written by Jews uh, where they celebrate the fact that, you know, we made uh, Hollywood and uh, we control Hollywood and so on. And when it comes to the pornography industry, when it comes to the pedophilia industry, uh, it's not just the Jeffrey Epstein's and Harvey Weinstein's of this world. There's a whole lot of others, too. And so we need to understand that we have been conditioned. We have been defiled. We have been brainwashed, not only by the entertainment industry, so-called the Hollywood blasphemy industry, I call it, uh, but also by the uh, news media, which in many cases is just propaganda. Uh, we, we refer to the Bolshevik Broadcasting Corporation, the Communist News Network, and Sly Magazine, and Useless News and World Report, and Newspeak, and the Sunday Crimes. And uh, it, It's disgusting what's been done with our media, and what's been done with the entertainment industry. But maybe even more insidious is the education institutions. So much of what is put forward as uh, education is actually, um, what do we call it, indoctrination. Instead of teaching people how to think critically, a lot of it is how to, uh, what to think. And uh, so we have moved uh, from having schools for education into gulag indoctrination centers, which brainwash children, indoctrinate children into this new world disorder. And so, so much of what is called bless entertainment today is blasphemy and defilement and exploitation. We need to boycott the blasphemers. We need to delete what defiles. We need to respond to revolution with resistance. And instead of subjecting ourselves to the world's indoctrination, we need to home educate our children. We need to invest in our children and our grandchildren, investing in the future, which is why I launched our Christian Liberty books back 26 years ago to support Christian home-based education curriculums. I believe it's one of the most strategic, important, influential steps for reformation and resistance anyone can take is to take control of education of the next generation. And uh, reading is another act of resistance in a landscape of distraction. Uh, we need to invest in the mind. Readers make leaders. We need to build up our libraries with excellent Christian books, true books, lay solid foundations for resistance and reformations. We've got to support alternative media. We must stop receiving disinformation and distraction from the lamestream media and rather support alternative media, podcasts, websites, mailing lists, social media platforms that are honest and true and which are willing to tell the truth and don't take part in the blasphemy industry and the defilement and the distractions of the whole synagogue of Satan who have taken over the news media, the entertainment industry, and in uh, particular, not just news media and entertainment industry, uh, but education, so-called, which is nothing of the sort. It's more like indoctrination. So instead of allowing ourselves to be defiled by exploitative Hollywood blasphemy, we should support excellence in the arts and entertainment again. And we need to get back to the Bible. We need to get back to home-based education. There's so much we can do for resistance. And uh, uh, that's why we have been organizing. We just um, last week had a Faith Family in the Future conference uh, where we responded to uh, so much of what's challenging us today, the the Bolshevik revolution, the cultural revolution, the sexual revolution, the homosexual revolution, the gender revolution. There's so many revolutions taking place on every level of society right now, and we need to respond with resistance. 
And we need to say no. And the people make a stand against the masquerade and the vaccinations are part of it. But we need to go further than that. And until we take control of our education, our entertainment and our news media, making sure we're boycotting the brainwashing and the indoctrination and the defilement and the distractions and supporting what is good and true and righteous and virtuous and uh, whatever things are excellent and has virtue, those are the things we should focus on. So to me, that's so important that we are not just part of the resistance, but that we positively work for reformation instead of allowing ourselves to be wrecked by a revolution. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. And folks, uh, those of you who've been listening to the show this week, I've brought up faith quite a lot on solutions because people are getting extremely frustrated out there and I don't want them to get into any trouble and uh, blow a gasket, as it were, and, uh, you know, get themselves arrested or what have you. But some of you will still think that, um, you know, I'm hiding behind... Uh, Jesus Christ, or I'm hiding behind God, I've not got the courage to come out myself. Well, let me just give you a couple of verses here, and I want you to think back to what we as a people have been for the world, and what our standing was in the world, and compare it to what it is today. And I'm going to read firstly Deuteronomy 28.1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. That's what we were. Okay. And now if we go to Deuteronomy 28.15, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now, the difference, as I see it, is turning away from God. And that's not something that our ancestors, you know, they, they were basically, you know, coerced into that. Their leaders were hijacked, uh, different things like that. Peter's talked many times about um, Queen Victoria saying that the strength of the British Empire was the faith in God. That was what it was based upon. That's gone. And look where we are today. And that is why I see the only solution to our problems is turning back to God. Uh, Peter, any comments? And please let the audience know where they can contact you and find your work. Yes, certainly. Well, uh, we have in the last uh, month had a Reformation 500 conference celebrating Martin Luther's conscience kept the word of God. And we had last week the Faith, Family and the Future conference hosted here in person <laughs> without masks and all that. And um, But we recorded it all, we videoed it all. So if anybody wants to see some of these lectures and presentations and read the Cape Town Declaration uh, that came out of the Reformation 500 Conference, these tackle a lot of these issues, and it's been endorsed by people around the world, uh, they can visit www.frontlinemissionsa.org. So it's frontlinemissionsa.org. That's the website. You look at our uh, video um, file uh, we've got there uh, different ones on Reformation Day and on these conferences that you can open up and see some of the videos or the PowerPoints uh, or the audio links uh, too. And uh, there's uh, a range of good material. So our email is mission at frontline.org.za, mission at frontline.org.za, and uh, the website's frontlinemissionsa.org. 
thank you so much peter fantastic job as always folks you have been listening to the real story of rising resistance to the powers that should not be peter and i'll be back with you at the same time next week i'll be back with you all tomorrow and until then folks have a wonderful day thank you for listening and bye for now